This time our children go out to Children's Church. Like I think they've already gone, looks like. Open your Bibles. I'm going to ask you to do two things. Uh, find Matthew 24, stick your finger there, and then find Luke uh, 12. We'll be there a little bit later. As I've read the news this week, many have speculated that this may be the end of the world, especially what's going on. Uh, I got a prophecy newsletter in the email this week. I don't know why I got it, but it was addressed to me. And it says in this email that we're approaching the second horseman of the apocalypse, that the first has already played out. Now, if you're not familiar with that, that's the judgment that comes there in the, uh, the first two seals that are opened of, of the book. Um, but I really think that that's talking about a little later time. Uh, another said that we're seeing Matthew 24 played out in our world today. And I want to read a portion of that this morning as we go to the Word of God. So if you'll stand in honor of God's Word, we're going to read uh, just beginning with the 23rd verse, Matthew 24. If anyone tells you then... See, here is the Messiah, or over here, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you in advance. So if they tell you, see, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or see, he's in the storerooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Father, open our eyes to understand the truth this morning and guide me, Father, as I speak. May you be glorified in our response to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What are the signs of the times? And uh, can we see in the events that, that's going on in the world right now that this is the end? Some might think so, but I want us to be cautious as we look at world events. Uh, in fact, I want to read you some of the headlines I've read just this week. Uh, this is the end of the world as we know it. Now, I'll be talking about that a little bit later, so remember that. Um, Baptist Satire has a Facebook page, and I love it because it's got some good stuff. But it, there was one post last week that I think we need to catch. It said, Germany invades Europe. Everyone concluded it was the end of the world. North Korea threatened to invade South Korea. And again, the headlines, it's the end of the world. Now Russia invades Ukraine. And once again, the headlines, it's the end of the world. But is it? Dr. Michael Brown, who's the radio host of Line of Fire, asked the question, are we on the edge of World War II? Excuse me, World War III. Others may be wondering that as well. Roderick C. Meredith of the Living Church of God wrote, we're not living in an ordinary time. We are nearing the end of an age, the end of civilization. I agree that the end is near, but I'm not ready to say that civilization has ended. But we're going to go on. In uh, April of 2020, two years ago, uh, Lifeway Research published an article entitled, The Vast Majority of Pastors See Signs of End Times in Current Events, again, two years ago. What was happening two years ago? COVID-19, right? Uh, from, quoting from this, uh, this article, almost nine in ten pastors see at least some current events matching those Jesus said would occur shortly before he returns to earth. According to a new survey focused on Christian eschatology or the study of end times, 97% say they believe that Jesus will literally and personally return to earth again. Again, this was released in January. Uh, the last one was released 
January 2020, um, again, people saw the end of the world two years ago. Dr. Uh, Scrub, excuse me, Reverend Mark Creech of the Christian Ash Action League wrote, everyone is watching what is now transpiring in Ukraine. It's somewhat reminiscent of historical events that preceded World War II. The situation is explosive, to say the least, and could spark World War III. Again, another prediction of that. Are we in the end times? Yes. Bible scholars agree that the end times begin in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus ascended to heaven. And he said, I'm coming back. And so the watch began. And every day... Every week, every month, every year that passes, we're that much closer to Christ's return. Now, when that happens, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm looking forward to that day, but I don't know when it's going to happen. What are the signs of the times that people are pointing to? Well, I think a lot of the things that people are pointing to are actually from a different time. Now, we're going to look at some, some definitions here in a minute. And I know you hate definitions. I love them. But they're going to help us to understand what's going on. Uh, but some of the events that people are, are pointing to are going to happen during the tribulation after the church is gone. In fact, a lot of the things that Christians fear because they don't understand biblical prophecy are things that are going to happen after the church is already out of the world. Um, I don't have all the answers. And this is my best understanding. And you may follow some other uh, prophecy teacher or some other preacher, and, and they take a different, different tact about it. But I think that, that what the Bible says is we need to be ready for Christ's return. And so we also need to understand what's going on. Now, I, as I said, we're going to talk about some definitions. I know I'm a word nerd, and that's okay. The first definition is the word rapture. How many of y'all have heard that word? How many of y'all have seen it in the Bible? It's not there. It's not there. But it's, the concept is there. The word rapture is not there, but the concept is there. It means that the, the church is taken out of the world by Christ. And I believe it will be before the tribulation. That's seven years. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, there are several verses that speak about the rapture of the church. I'm just going to read one of them. Uh, Jesus said in John 14, 3, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll do what? I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Christ is coming back for his church. Now, we don't know when this is going to happen. If somebody tells you it's going to happen on such and such date, they're lying because they don't know. The scripture says in Mark chapter 13, verse 32, but about that day or hour, no one knows. This is Jesus speaking. If you've got a Bible that's got red letters, it's red letters. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. We saw that when we saw a couple of weeks ago, that movie, um, uh, I don't, the, something of wrath. The, anyway, we saw that movie a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've got the movie Sabine on my mind tonight. Uh, as I said, I believe the rapture of the church, the taking of the church out of the, out of the, of the world will be before the tribulation. And all that, those judgments that it speaks about in the book of Revelation, the church will not experience it. Now, when in Scripture does the rapture happen? Most Bible scholars believe, and I believe, that it happens after chapter 4, in, in, uh, excuse me, after chapter 3, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, come up here, when the Lord speaks to, to John, and, and Bible scholars believe that's when the church leaves the earth. We leave, we go into God's presence, and no longer do you hear about the church until the end of the book of Revelation. But you hear about believers around the throne of God. 
Now here's how Paul described the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That means if it happened today, you'd have to be second because you're still alive. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And then chapter 5, he says about the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just as a thief in the night. And then many point to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. The good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. Now, I believe that chapter 24 is speaking about a time during the tribulation. And I'll show you why in just a minute. But uh, uh, Christ is talking about evangelism that will happen during the tribulation. Will people be saved after the church is taken out of the earth? Yes, there will be people saved. In fact, we read, I believe it's in chapter 6, about 144,000 Jewish evangelists that the Lord appoints that will go out and share the gospel. So there will be people saved during the tribulation. Well, and that's the the second word we're going to look at, the word tribulation. That's that period after the church is gone that's described from uh, about chapter 4, or actually chapter 6, to chapter 19 in the book of Revelation. All those judgments, there's the seal judgments and the bowl judgments, and we saw today in, in chapter 10 in Sunday school, there are ten, there's trumpet judgments that aren't talked about, and then bowl judgments. Uh, all those judgments that are going to happen, um, but these are after the church is in heaven. Um, It'll be seven years, as it's described in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel and the book of Ezekiel, seven years. Uh, it's divided into two halves, the, the tribulation and the great tribulation, the se- second half. Um, the purpose of this is, is a time of judgment, but a time for God to call people to himself. One last chance. Uh, and it's especially um, to condemn Satan and all those that... that work with him, all the demons that work with him. And during that time of tribulation, though there's an opportunity for people to be saved, over and over we read in in the book of Revelation that they reject Christ. But during the book time of tribulation, there will be great persecution upon the church and upon the Jews. Uh, By this, uh, uh, the second half begins, the second half of the tribulation begins when Satan sets up his throne in the temple. Uh, we keep reading that, that the temple is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. It will be. And the Jews will worship there. And in fact, uh, the first seal is a time of, of peace on the earth, but it's a false peace in which the Antichrist makes a peace with Israel and they're allowed to rebuild that. And then, then the uh, time of, of famine in, in the second Uh, the second horseman. Anyway, uh, Matthew 24 again says, when you see the abomination of desolation, uh, that's the desecration desecration of the rebuilt temple. When you see that spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. And then he talks about those in Judea fleeing to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down. And that passage, that's talking about during the time of tribulation. Um, if you're a Christian, you don't have to worry about that. 
this is especially a warning for those Jews that are still on the earth to repent and accept Christ. And then at the end of the tribulation, another word is the word millennium. Millennium means thousand, and it's the thousand years of reign of Christ. Satan is locked up, and Christ will reign for a thousand years on the earth. Um, it's a fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies about the kingdom of God on earth. Uh, it'll be a time of peace, perfect seasons. Israel and Jerusalem will be the sin of the earth. Uh, Gentile excuse me, domination will be removed. Still, men will reject Christ. Uh, Revelation chapter 20 speaks about that. Uh, John writes, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and closed it and put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations until the thousand years were completed. After that, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God and who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. So if you're a believer... You don't have to worry about the mark of the beast because you're already saved. Uh, the church will, not, will be in heaven during the tribulation, and uh, you'll miss out on all that judgment. Christians that, are saved, excuse me, Christians that are saved during the tribulation will have the mark of Christ, okay? Two marks, mark of the beast or mark of Christ, you've got to choose. Another term is second coming of Christ. Any of y'all ever heard of that? That's the future reign of Christ in all its glory. I believe this will be after the tribulation and after the millennium. The Bible talks about this several times. Um, in Revelation 19, he says, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. That means victor. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, that's crowns. And he has a name written on it that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Uh, and skipping down a few verses, it says, On his robe and his thigh is a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And then in Matthew 24, verse 30, it says, Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of God, Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from our one end of the earth to the other, and he will serve as judge. His first coming brought salvation. His second coming will bring about the resurrection of our bodies, which is the hope of salvation. Uh, but for those who have rejected Christ, you can read this in, in later on in chapter 20, the great white throne judgment. And it says, the books are open and everyone's name who's written in the Lamb's book of life will be ushered in the presence of the Lord forever. And those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life, who've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. That's what the scripture says. So hopefully that kind of gives you some understanding of the timeline of what's going to happen with those, those definitions, rapture, tribulation, millennium, and second coming of Christ. So what I want to focus on now that we've got that out of the way, are these the sign that the end is now? 
I mean, are we in the, the last days? Yes, we are. Is, are these signs that Christ is returning now? I don't know. As I said, I know that we're getting closer to Christ's return every, other day, every day. There have always been rumors of war, and there's always been wars. I mean, one history book I read said there's never been a time in the world where there's not been war going on. And there's always been leaders that people have pointed to, see, see how evil they are. I listed some of them just came off the top of my head. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot of Cambodia, uh, Idi Amin of Uganda, Kim Jong-il of North Korea, Osama bin Laden, Vladimir Putin. The list could go on and on and on. The Bible does not give us specifics about when the end of the world will happen, or when Christ will return, or even what everything has to happen in order for it to happen. What the Bible does say is be ready, for it's going to come suddenly when we least expect his return. And so turn with me to Luke chapter 12. We're just going to look at, at a few verses here, um, begin with the 35th verse. So the first thing Christ tells his disciples is be ready. Verse 35 be ready for service and have your lamps lit. That word be ready literally means, get this, gird up your loins. Where do we hear that before? The armor of God. Uh, in Jesus' day, not only did soldiers have to gird up their loins, but people wore long robes. Now, can you imagine getting up and, and having a, a bathrobe? And I've got one. I wore mine this morning. But some people have bathrobes. And they would reach all the way to the floor. And can you imagine trying to work in that thing? Because that's what kind of clothing they had. They, they didn't wear trousers. They didn't have Levi Strauss and, and in that day. And, and, and so they wore robes. But they also wore a belt. And to gird up their loins was to take that up and, and fix it up so they could tuck it into their belt so they could work. So they were ready. I told you last week to be girded was to be ready. Uh, so be, Jesus said, be ready and keep your lamps burning. Now the lamp that he's talking about was the old, uh, uh, it, it was a, a coal oil lamp type. It, it had a wick and it was to, to burn. It had to have oil in it all the time. So uh, the Greek word literally means, means to burn and continue burning. So Jesus says, be ready, keep your lamps burning. So what he's saying is to be ready all the time, to be alert. For what? Well, verse 36, you're to be like people waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can open the door for him at once. Jesus said, get ready and stay ready. Now he's talking about, he doesn't use the word slave. He doesn't use the word servant. He says men. Uh, that's the general word for mankind in the Greek. It's the word anthropos. We get the word anthropology from it, the study of man. Uh, the, these men were hired men. He didn't own them. They served for wages, and he was going to come, but they didn't know when he was going to come back. Why? He was gone to a wedding. Now, when I get a wedding invitation, it usually says it's going to be at such and such place, and it'll start at such and such time, and I know that within two or three hours, it'll be over. I've not gone to one that's lasted much longer than that even when they have a full meal. But in Jesus' day, wedding could last up to a week. In fact, a wedding lasted as long as there was food at the banquet. When the food ran out, everybody went home. It was a big deal. So the people back at home didn't know when the food was going to run out. They didn't have anybody stationed up there with a cell phone saying, okay, when you see the, the, the food about to run out, call me so we'll be ready. No, they were to be ready. And how were they ready? 
they stayed ready. They didn't sleep. It wasn't they went in and got in bed and heard that he was coming, so they jumped up, got dressed, washed their face, and went out to serve. They stayed ready. That's what the text is saying. They were ready. And what were they going to do? They were going to wait on the master. They were going to serve the master. They wanted the joy of being able to welcome him as he came in the door and to serve him. That talks about the attitude of our heart. We're to be ready with joyful hearts, waiting for Christ to return, no matter how long it takes. Are you ready and waiting? And then there's the, the parable Jesus told about the ten virgins. Ten had, uh, they, they all came, but, but five brought extra oil for their lamps, and five didn't. And the master Terry didn't come back. And finally, they all ran out of oil, so they had to refill their lamps. But five of them didn't have extra oil. They said, give us, give us some of yours. And they said, no, we won't have enough. And the master came while they were gone to buy more oil. And the, the end of the parable says, uh, Master, Master, open up for us. Because the, the virgins that were gone away, he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore be alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. So the Jesus emphasis was on the fact that he's coming back to be ready. And how do we be ready? We accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We know him. We know the Lord. And then the rest of that story Jesus told him, Luke 12 says, Blessed be those servants the master finds alert. When he comes, truly I tell you, he will get ready. Have them recline at the table, then come and serve them. If he comes in the middle of the night or even near dawn or finds them alert, blessed are those servants. So there's great reward for being ready. And then Jesus told another parable in, in the next couple of verses. I tell you this, if a homeowner had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. When we lived in Brazil and uh, we were in a... a language school housing, temporary housing uh, in Brazil the first year we were there. And uh, our house got broken into one night. We had gone to church, we got, and then uh, it was the last service with some friends, and they were staying with us, but, but they broke in. Now, if I'd known they were going to come, I wouldn't have gone to McDonald's, because that was a big treat in Brazil. Anyway, uh, that, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, the word broken into doesn't mean that they picked the lock or they'll look for an open window. It means that they... they broke through a wall or a barrier. Uh, and the point Jesus made is that the homeowner needed to be constantly watching again, be prepared. So how do we prepare for Christ's return? If Christ is coming back, how do we prepare? Well, um, Mike Livingston of Lifeway wrote seven ways to prepare for Christ's return. I thought this was good, and so I wanted to share it. First, he says, live in the light of his first coming, or live like his first coming mattered. Know and live for Jesus is, is my definition of that. Be discerning. Uh, we already read the passage, don't, don't listen to all the false prophets. Don't let anyone deceive you, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, use discernment in listening to the voices. Number three, accept the uncertainties. Nobody knows when, when Jesus is coming back. Nobody knows whether all these things that are going on in the world right now mean that he's coming back today or this week or this month or this year. But he knows and so we need to trust Him and follow Him and live for Him. And don't lose hope no matter what comes. I read this week that gasoline may get up to $6 a gallon. And if that's happened, parents, do you think school districts going to run school buses for all those kids? I don't know what's going to happen. I read another article this morning saying that uh, Russia is no longer exporting 
fertilizer, and who's going to hurt is Brazil that imports almost all of the, 95% of their fertilizer. And they produ produce a lot of the beef and fruits and vegetables that are consumed in the United States. World events affect all of us. Number five, he says, encourage one another. That's what the church is about. We're to encourage one another, lift each other up, pray for each other. Uh, we're to support each other. That's what, the, what we're to be. Number six, live as if today was the day. I don't know if today the day, but we prepare for it by being ready. And number seven, he says, keep on doing the work Jesus left us to do. Until Jesus changes the orders, do what he said last. And then to conclude, I want to read an article by a Canadian writer, Samuel Say. Um, he wrote in the Christian Post, in just a matter of days, this world has changed. I was thinking about all this, and then I remembered Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who he was in 2020, he was in 2021, and in 2022, and he'll, he'll continue to be. New year, same God, so don't be anxious, don't be afraid. This year won't be the same as last year. The world won't be the same, people won't be the same, but praise God, Jesus will be the same. Our world will probably change for the worse again in 2022, but Jesus don't change. Jesus won't change. So stand firm. The world has changed, God hadn't. God's still omnipotent, and he is. He's still all-powerful. He didn't lose his power no matter who's in charge in the, in, in the world affairs. He's still in charge. He's still omniscient. He still knows what's going on. Casting Crowns, one of my favorite Brook uh, groups, wrote a song called, He's There at the End of My Life. Because he knows what's going to happen between now and there. And I can trust him no matter what's going on in the world. And Jesus is still faithful. He still keeps his promises. Every word Jesus said we can trust. He's still good and merciful. So we're not to be anxious. But we're to trust him. And then he quoted this verse, Romans 8, 31 and 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If we trust Jesus Christ for eternal life, we can trust him for the day to day. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be praying because God hears prayer, whether we pray here or in Canada where this guy was or in Europe or wherever. So don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Trust God. And then I want to conclude with this quote. So don't be afraid or anxious. The world changes, but God doesn't. Christ will return. We don't know when, but we can trust him. We need to make sure our hearts are prepared for eternity. And I'd encourage you to pray for peace because I don't know what's going to happen. I know there was supposed to be a truce or a peace or a ceasefire, whatever you want to call it, agreed on by both sides, and yet Russia continued to send rockets. So we can't trust world leaders. We can trust the Lord, and we can live faithfully. The world as we know it may end. It's okay. God's still in control. Father, thank you that you are in control. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan. Thank you, Father, that you're coming back one day and you're going to take the church out of this world. And so, Father, I pray that all that hear my voice have their hearts prepared, that they know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that they've trusted you so that they're prepared for eternity. And, Father, we all have family members and friends that we love that are not prepared, and we pray that their hearts will, too, be prepared, that they'll trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. They'll surrender their lives to him. We know, Father, not only are you going to take the church out of this world to spend eternity with you, but this world will be judged. And I pray even now for those that are left on the earth during the, this time of tribulation that many, many, many will come to Christ. Because, Father, I know you're coming again. I know, Father, that you're going to set up your kingdom 
And all that know you will be there because of what you've done in our life. And Father, I praise you for your plan. And I grieve for the millions that have rejected Christ and will spend an eternity in the lake of fire. Father, my prayer is that we will have our hearts prepared. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. I pray that God's spoken to your heart and as he has spoken to you, that you will respond to him. If you need to trust Christ, I encourage you to do it today. Let's sing, Pastor Mike. Oh, thank you.